KRWW iRadio 76 proudly presents the 515 Show with your host, John Sarver. Who's at the 515 door today? All right, so this should be kind of fun. Not a whole lot of people saw this coming. However, is there room for another RA? Huh, maybe so. <laughs> Evidently, there's going to be one. A lot of people are, are, you know, and again, and it's not, thank God, it's not another association. This time, it's an alliance. <laughs> Evidently, there's something way different than that. So, what we're going to do is... Um, hi, Hello. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. Matter of fact, we just want to make sure that we... To get you in line here, this is Scott Gardner from the WDRA, and that's not a radio station or a wrestling thing. That is the World Drag Racing Alliance. How are you, Scott? I'm doing great. Beautiful day here in eastern Tennessee. Can't beat it. Yeah, stay out of the rain, huh? <laughs> stay out of cold Michigan, right? <laughs> no, we're, we're high and dry up here. We're just talking about all of our friends down in Tampa. You know, where it, oh no doubt, no doubt. We're going to have some of that rain over the weekend, but not anything uh, to significance. I, I had a good friend that was in Northport, uh, still lives in Northport, but he had that hurricane go right over him. Thankfully, he had minimal damage, but you know, our hearts do definitely go out to the yeah. folks down there, no doubt. Absolutely, but now on a little bit of a lighter note, I and mean, as we were talking about uh, the WDRA in in. Um, production and when we were going around a mile and all the drag strips here at michigan you know what we should probably tell the fine friends your credentials i mean you just sit and get a <laughs> one ad and go sure i'll take this job i mean you do sure, have a I'm history guy <laughs> <laughs> well i do I, I i do appreciate uh providing a little background here and in fact i was planning on kind of bringing that to the forefront so people kind of understood sure. what i'm doing and who i am and all that type of stuff. So, I, I again, I, John, I do appreciate asking that question. Uh, I've been in drag racing. My wife and I, I hate to say it's been almost 30 years. That that makes me feel really old. But started when we you were 10. We started racing, uh, you know, right out of, I raced, uh, my family raced when I was growing up. I'm not even counting those years. Wow. And uh, that was back when class racing was the thing. And that evolved into bracket racing as I was in high school, that type of thing, where the class racing kind of went to the side at a local level. And uh, and then uh, I went on to university, got my degree in marketing. And then I went to work for the Sherwin-Williams Company, a great company to work for, but found out paint wasn't really my passion and uh i did and and at the same time we uh we raced semi-professionally for for a while in what was called the udra united drag racers association mm -hmm. we ran in their pro stock series so we uh we ran out and kind of spent all the funds we could we could possibly muster and went out and tried to be competitive had a great time being younger guys my brother and i and our our, our girls and did, did the thing and uh then an opportunity came along to uh, come in, uh, manage the uh, Great Lakes Dragway in, in Wisconsin. So I went up there and worked for a while for Broadway Bob and then for the new ownership group that took that facility over. Really got my feet wet, uh, you know, your teeth cut, whatever you want to call it. Did that for a few years and then uh, went on to buy Cordova Dragway in Illinois. 
and my wife and I ran that for 20 years, and then we simultaneously were partners, co-owners in two other Iowa tracks in Cedar Falls in Eddyville, Iowa. Uh, we sold those all in 2014, went off to the island to retire. No, I'm just kidding. No island to retire. I wish it was an island to retire, but uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, went on to start our own company, uh, uh, Gardner Racetrack Consultants, and that's what we've been doing ever since. And we took an interim position at Heartland Park, Topeka, for a year and a half for the new owner there to get that place off the ground after it had been closed entirely for a year and uh, worked with them. So we lived in Topeka for a short time. Then we moved down to uh, our promised land, which we always wanted to live in, eastern Tennessee by the Smoky Mountains. And uh, we live here now, and we do a lot of consulting works for racetracks, sanctioning bodies, sponsors, the, the whole world of really racing, but mostly drag racing. And uh, the opportunity came along most recently recently to uh to be you know contracted to work for uh the wdra don scott and and his team and uh you know we're we're happy we're super excited uh we love the vision and here we are all right so let's back up just a little bit when your family was <laughs> was racing what did you guys race what vehicle well, back in the those when my family raced and I was growing up, you know, uh, uh-huh. elementary school, junior high, and in the high school, we class raced. We ran a uh, a sea gas Pinto, a Ford Pinto. We ran sea gas with a. Ford Cleveland engine and a, and a Linco transmission, and that was in the Midwest. That cool. was in Iowa, Illinois, up in that area. So there was several tracks there we raced at, and uh, we'd race one track on Saturday night and the other track on Sunday, and it was all in, at that time, AHRA, the American Hot Rod Association, and we ran in their modified street class. And then, you know, then after that, uh, my brother and I built a super gas Anglia and, and uh, which had a 500 cubic inch motor with a four speed with a four speed Linko, which was really crazy for an Anglia. But this thing, you know, was real low to the ground tube chassis. Crazy to drive, though. I mean, just, you know, in super gas, even nuttier. But we did that for a couple of years. And then we had uh, Jerry Bickle uh, built uh, and Jerry Haas built uh, Thunderbirds that we ran with the UDRA in Pro Stock. So uh, kind of had the racing. You know what I found out very quickly? That I was a much better promoter and marketing guy <laughs> and, and, and than I was a drag racer. I mean, I, I, I readily admit we did okay racing, but there's a lot of guys and gals that are much better than I ever was. I'm always amazed by people who say they race semi-professionally because the money's still the same that goes out of your pocket. Uh, <laughs> you know? I mean, yikes. The, the, the only reason I say semi-professionally is we never we, we ran some IHRA national events back in those days, and uh, we, we did run the UDRA, uh, which we were hired in, ran a violence several times, uh, hired in at different facilities under the UDRA circuits. They don't exist anymore, yeah. but they had an alcohol funny car alcohol dragster and an outlaw pro stock circuit so we would you know and when i say semi-professionally that means we worked you know 40 hours at our regular jobs during the week worked on the race car every night and jumped in the thing uh jumped in the truck and enclosed trailer and took off uh, after work on friday and drove all night to get to some track to race over the weekend to drive home and go back to work on monday so and do all that that and win 250 bucks (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great time for sure. <laughs> but you know, young, young, energetic, wanted to go fast. We did go fast. We, yeah. you know, back. Yeah, I'm talking back in nineteen, the mid 1980s, and we were 
thankfully we ran in the uh, as quick as six uh, six eighty five, just over two hundred miles an hour, which back then was like you know that was like really fast. I mean sure. today it's nothing because. Yeah, you know, I shouldn't say it's nothing, but I mean compared to what these cars all run today, it's it, it not a lot of comparison. So. Oh yeah, I mean when you take a look at that famous Hot Rod magazine cover with Garlitz breaking the two hundred mile per hour barrier, it's like how <laughs> yeah. could how that had to be some how? yeah what? why that is some serious <laughs> magic there going on. That will never <laughs> nobody will ever sure. go to over two hundred. Jeez. All right, so <laughs> now. Let us, since you're the consultant here, so that puts you right with Don and uh, Carl on the same level. How does that work? Well, it, it generally, it, Don is our, he's our leader. He's our guy. Uh, his vision, he owns the company and, and uh, you know, anything that we come up with, there's a lot, there's more than just Carl and myself uh, and Don in, in the organization, but the whole idea is, you know, obviously he owns the company, yeah. so... Uh, he's very open-minded and, uh, and and really listens to what we have to say. Practical experience as track opera, op, uh, tr- excuse me, track operators. Sure, Practical yeah. experience as racers to to bring to the table and say, hey, this is here's how we think we should you know get things done or how these programs should work and what what we'd like to see and bring you know bring to the table. His whole reasoning for doing this is he. Um, is a very successful gentleman who owns a company with over a hundred employees and he's in the medical uh, uh, technology device type company. They make devices. If you get in a bad auto accident, uh, there's a good oper- chance that you would have maybe his devices inserted into your leg or what have you. And, and even deeper type stuff than that. But then a few years back, he decided he was going to buy a racetrack, bought a racetrack and became very frustrated because of a really lack of understanding on how to operate it and not a lot of resources uh, necessarily to help him. And so he says, you know, I'm running this multi-million dollar company with, with a hundred employees that I, that on the back of my hand, but I can't run this small eighth mile racetrack in, in, in a rural area. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, the, the gentleman, obviously Don has, if he's in the medical, um, making the, the the parts, and I'm using the air quotes on that. Um, so he's as rich as you are. Okay, so we established that. So, <laughs> the thing is, I mean, You're funny. God You're bless funny. your wife where you go, honey, let's move to Topeka. Nah, we're done here. Let's move somewhere else. Let's go to Tennessee. Nah, let, you know. Well, the, the worst thing, John, the worst thing with that whole thing was the third racetrack. Uh, most of it she went along pretty good with, but when I bought the third racetrack, still <laughs> operating two, and the third one came along, she told me no, and I still did it anyway. But I, 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 I lived to survive. I survived. Ooh. I'm still here. We're still happily married. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't the brightest move in the world. I mean, thankfully it worked out okay, but there was there was definitely some. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how Let's did you that way? <laughs> How did you smooth that? I mean, it's not like you went out and bought a new pair of shoes when she said, no, you bought a racetrack, which probably costs a little more than $10. And so it's like, <laughs> what were you doing? Take her out to dinner and go, but you know what, honey? <laughs> Crazy thing. By the, you by, know? The way, I, by the way, I went ahead and did that track deal. What? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of those deals. But I put your name and on I it, honey. Say, <laughs> yeah, your name, honey. I, I will say that, you know, when we first did the first racetrack, which was the Cordova Drive, 
dragway, far Cordova dragway in Illinois. Yeah. That's on the Iowa and Illinois border. We bought the facility. It was, it was pretty run down and, uh, and we didn't have to really much money and, and we went out and, and did some things that I probably wouldn't recommend, like, you know, racking up credit cards and, mm. you know, dreams and visions and all this type of stuff. And thankfully there was, there was people that helped me immensely along the way bill bader senior i mean he he was a guy from from norwalk that just embraced and 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 really i learned so much from him and royce miller at maryland international some of these other uh uh, jason peterson at at martin these guys that have you know that that are doing it and they've been around and and were able to work with each other and uh but bill uh, you know he's really the guy that that was there and, and had my back and the first year of running that track, uh, we had a tornado come through, wipe out grandstands, blow out uh, wow. windows in the tower, take down poles in the pit area, and I thought, man, this is the worst decision a person can make, especially with a one-year-old daughter. Ooh. But, uh, you know, yeah, Ooh. one of those deals. So, Way to go. All right, so now yeah. we take it to the present day because I can feel the folks going, tell us about the WDRA doggone it. <laughs> And not necessarily using those Dog words. Dotted, what is that yeah. WDRA? Well, yeah. the World Drag Racing Alliance, the, the idea behind this is uh, we stand on our own and we do our own things and we kind of want to do what is uh, our plans, what we think is best, and not necessarily what other uh, sanctioning organizations are doing or whatever. So our foundation that we're building this on or have really already built this on is really the racetrack and partnering with the racetracks and helping them succeed with their business plans. And I'll talk about that a little bit differently and a little bit more in a minute. And then of course the foundation of what we believe drag racing is, and that's the sportsman racer. And when you break down the foundation, you have to break it to its truest form. And that's the bracket racer uh doesn't matter if it's junior dragster or you know super pro top eliminator type racer what have you that is the most number of racers and the real core to drag racing now Mm -hmm. we can take and we will expand sportsman racing outside of the look of bracket racing but right now that's 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 where we're at we're going to walk before we run we're going to be the best organization we can and and there's many different ways of achieving that goal that that we're working working on uh but we want to make sure that when a track you know comes on board with us we're giving them we're we're answering the phone at two o'clock in the morning we're giving them what they need we have answers to many many questions if we don't we will find those answers we partnered with the best insurance companies that are very well known safe hold k and k the different ones uh that have been out uh and have been around the block with different issues and things that happen in the racing world you know we we understand and we know those types of things uh specifically for a track operator or track owner we're working on programs of uh for a lack of better tournament called national buying programs and i'll just use for example the company i worked for because that's a pretty easy one that we've put together uh, sherwin williams so if you're a member of the alliance you can you could go into your you know local Sherwin Williams store and buy like a contractor a contractor pricing now you still have your own account or you pay cash or you do whatever but you have national type pricing you and you don't have to do it as a track operator types of programs whether it's paint food 
you know, uh, glue for your racetrack, supplies you need in-house, soda, beer, all those types of things. Yeah, you know, that's one of the... Uh, we were really amazed to see that, obviously, these are all IHRA tracks that are, are now... Uh, well, uh, uh, up in your area, yes. They're yes, all that's what I, I should have said Nationally, in Michigan. Nationally, we do have some independents that are co- came or coming on board, and we do have some NHRA tracks that are very close to to coming on board. So it's not that we're you know picking on anybody in particular. Not picking on that's not the right word. I, I guess we're reaching out to everybody and just saying, hey, this is what this is who we are, and this is what we're doing. We'd love to have you come play with us, and and this is what you know our future looks like and this is what we're standing behind and building well there, there's a lot of excitement going around here and yes i should have prefaced it by saying to, to finish the sentence that in michigan because i mean and when we say flipped we don't mean like there was something underhanded going on there they just decided to go with the wdra but when you flipped over the um the ihra track of the year in michigan at ubley I mean, when all four of them went down that fast, I knew that we knew that Lapeer was going. We knew that 131 was going. But to get mid-Michigan and Ubley is a hell of a feather in your cap, you know, to have this all done. The, one of the biggest questions are, and directly from the racers, is, you know, these used to be IHRA tracks. Now, here's a couple of questions. One, uh, the difference between the WDRA and the IHRA for racers would be what, Scott? Well, you know, I don't know what the IHRA is doing moving forward, so I can't speak well, to no, what should. the new owner and the new player. But based on what they had done in the yes, past, yeah. uh, we're taking a lot of those types of programs and making them better. We, we like the idea of still having, you know, you still operate on your level at your racetrack. You still have a team finals, a bracket finals. You go to a tournament that the tracks take their, their best teams to in race and then go on to the big dance, which we call the World Championship, which, which we announced a $250,000 program for true world champions. And two ways to earn that, you can earn it locally by being a champion at your racetrack and also by winning the, the bracket finals, which, you know, we want to have obviously strategically in every area to keep the travel down as much as possible. But so that does sound very similar to what they have done in the past. Mm -hmm. The difference is we're, we're adding, we're working very hard to add additional value to that program uh coming out on monday will be a, a, an announcement a press release about partnering uh on a very uh, very big sponsor program that are going to provide uh prizes and certificates to the uh, to the winners in the team finals and to the national champions and opportunities at the local racetrack these is this is a brand new program never done by a sanctioning body and and brand new for the racers and the racetracks we're trying to do this for a couple different reasons. One, it helps entice people to say, hey, I'm going to go race. I'm going to run a point series at my local track. 
And two, uh, that obviously helps the track operator with bigger car counts, more uh, uh, pit passes, all that type of stuff. And number two then also is uh, it's a better reward for them when they go to the tournaments, whether it's the team finals or uh, at the world championships. So it's all about building, building programs, building new opportunities that not only boost at the local level, at one of the, you pick one of them, it doesn't matter, ugly, any of the tracks that are WDRA, and then also having it, you know, move up the ladder as these guys and gals go to the bracket finals or, or go on to win a world championship. See, and that's what everybody was kind of wondering, too. That was one of the questions that people had. Um, they wanted to know, are you still doing that uh, that roundup at the end of the year? You know, will that still be at 131? Will that be at a different track? How does that work? Well, uh, the, yeah, that's the team finals. That's what we refer to as the team finals. And and we will 100% believe, you know, we're 100% on board to be doing that at, at Jason uh, at, at, at Martin, Michigan. Uh, uh, they got a great team of folks there. What a beautiful facility. Mm-hmm. It's centrally located for everybody over on your kind of your section of the country. So, yes, that that is uh, uh, 100% the case that uh, team finals will be at that facility. Now, once you, you go to that team finals and, you know, your team wins or what have you, or maybe your drivers win some of the classes as a track operator, that's where those folks that won the classes and along with your track champions get to go then to the next stance, the next step up, which is the world championships. We don't know exactly where that's going to be yet. We're still, uh, you know, as we get more tracks on, we want to find the best centrally located, nice facility we can we can have that event at. Why do I got a funny feeling it's going to be in Tennessee somewhere? <laughs> no, it won't be in Tennessee. Well, it could be, but I doubt it. No, it, uh, you're funny, but uh, I am so used to traveling all the time. I, I hardly even look at that anymore. I, I just always like the wind, either in my vehicle or on an airplane somewhere, <laughs> going somewhere, you know. And uh, and I still do. And I, I should interrupt this this whole conversation and say, sure, you know, I'm I am working a lot of hours for the WDRA, but I still work with a lot of racetracks and and been visiting with the folks at Milan, although they're they're NHRA, that that's fine. You know, uh, they found a home there, uh, and you know, we want them to succeed. We want them to do well. I want them to do well. Nothing hurts me worse to see a track operator not succeed and can't make ends meet and have to close or cut back or whatever. So, you know, I'm here to pass on knowledge and information. Hope to be right most of the time, probably not always like anybody, but, you know, like I said earlier in the conversation, I've had my hard knocks in the world. I've learned some things the hard way, some things by help from other people, and uh, it's just all about continuing to learn and, and building teams together. Scott, have you knocked on doors? I mean, we're going to talk about the state of Michigan. Have you knocked on doors mm-hmm. of the drag strips up here? I mean, there's there's a couple of them that, like a Northern, I think is still IHRA, and Onondaga is just Onondaga. You know, have you have you <laughs> talked to those guys? I mean, have, do they contact you? Because, I mean, it's... Well, I haven't... I haven't talked to anybody uh, on a Dega. I know that the gentleman that was running that track is now, I believe, running a track in Kentucky, maybe. 
Uh, so I don't know what the current status of that is. Not that we won't talk to those people. I've talked to a lot of independent tracks throughout yeah. the country that aren't sanctioned at all, but they do have to meet a minimum underwriting guideline. And when I say that, there's certain safety things a track has to meet before they can be WDRA. A couple of reasons for that. One being that safety is paramount to any any sport, any yeah. business, and we have to make sure our, our drivers are safe and they go to safe facilities. And number two, we're in a pool of insurance. We're getting extremely good rates for our racetracks, and we want that to continue. So we don't want to jeopardize our insurance programs with companies like K&K and Safehold that have been in drag racing for decades by bringing some, you know, some tracks along that uh, could have issues. And, and so they have to meet it under <laughs> you know a guideline which isn't you know crazy out of the box type stuff but yeah. keep everybody safe scott you're very diplomatic all right so i take it that there will be no wdra races in war in the woods or one of those tracks <laughs> Good Lord. I, you know i would i would have to i would have to know what they have at those tracks hard rail you know uh, 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 certain you know, height, uh, along the edge of the track and in the, in the condition of race surface and, in yeah. you know, grandstands or where they stand have to be so far away and all that type of stuff. I mean, it's sensible rules, but, but yeah, it, it, we can't, we can't bring facilities in that are more like street outlaws than they are, you know, uh, yeah, for your own pedal. Okay. So now here's the story. Yeah. A lot of these story, a lot, let's just say these four tracks in Michigan, and that's what we'll focus on because the four tracks in Michigan will mirror the other WDRA tracks, I believe, around there. All right, so sure. I'm yeah. an IHRA driver. I have my um, all my credentials. I have my license. I have all this stuff. Does my license now transfer to the WDRA? <laughs> do we have to do new things? Is there a physical? <laughs> right. I mean, what do we got to do that, now? That, that is a... That, that's the $100 million question, but uh, I'm glad you asked it, for sure. Uh, we understand we're not trying to, you know, make it, oh, no, I, now i got to spend more money type situation. So if you have an NHRA license or an IHRA license, we will take that license and whatever's left on it, or membership, and whatever's left on that, we will transfer, we will, we will equal that with the WDRA, not transfer. Transfer is not the right thing. So if you've got a, a license good through 2025, you know, whatever it is, 2024, wow. uh, and, and we will give you uh, the comp, the same license, uh, WDRA at no charge. So you, you will just ba basically for a lack of better term, I'm going to say grandfathered in. Now, when that comes up for renewal, then you would be, you know, you would be uh, susceptible to have to renew it, but the rates are, you know, extremely inexpensive and that's the other thing i should chime in with a lot of people say well why should i join a wdra or, or an ihra or an nhra well i i can't say what ihra is doing moving forward but in the past and what nhra currently has along with wdra is when you become a member you automatically get so much insurance coverage so if you're on that racetrack and something somebody else runs into you it absolutely had nothing to do with you you get hit on the racetrack you get hurt, your insurance company says, oh, you were racing. We're not, there's no way in heck we're covering your medical expense. That's when this kicks in. So for the, you know, for the $100 membership, uh, you know, you get, you get this 
awesome insurance that really covers your rear end at the racetrack, whether you have insurance or don't, because as a track operator, I've seen it. I've seen people have great insurance and it gets kicked out because it happened at the racetrack. Wow. Okay. So now you got cool insurance. Now we're going to be godfathered in, grandfathered in, uh, with the mm-hmm. air quotes going on here. So that's me as a driver. So that's cool. I got that that far. Now I just happen to have this fine uh, 340 Barracuda here. Ooh, says 340 on the side, but is it really underneath? Now, uh, tech spec <laughs> and, and rules. Is there a new rule book? Are you going to follow somebody? Wait, wait, wait. Well, well, well the, 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 thankfully, somewhat thankfully, the rules in drag racing are very, uh, very much the same, whether you're looking at NHRA, uh, the past IHRA, yeah. or uh, the current AHRA that's got a couple of tracks. They pretty much mirror each other. Uh, the IHRA in the past always had a little bit more leniency on some things that really, I, in my opinion, in my opinion only, uh, needed to be there because... You know, the helmet thing was pushed to extreme, you know, and and some of those types of things. Our our belief, or the WDRA belief, is to obviously be safe, and that's number one. But number two is is be sensible about it. If if you run a uh, you know a 13 second Barracuda, I don't you know we want to be able to look at things like why have to get why have to get your seat belts recertified every two years. Maybe maybe we're able to push that to a four or five year. Wow. If you run a seven six second. If you're running a six second dragster, yes. You need to get those belts recertified on a regular basis. So I'm not saying that's exactly going to happen because there's a lot of there's a lot of steps involved with that particular rule. But I want to give you the idea there that we look at everything from a sensibility standpoint and looking at uh, what makes sense versus what was written and why it was originally written. Sometimes rules are written for not so much for the rule, but for other reasons. Okay. Um, so somewhere over the winter when there's a ton of snow in Michigan and we're putting the logs in the fire and stuff, would there be a full rule readout? So we make yes. sure we okay. believe, uh, well, we want, we want to have that done, uh, no later than the first of the year. It's wow. already in, it's already in process. It just takes a while to get these things done, especially when you want to make some changes here and there. And the uh, the other thing I want to kind of set off to the side is that, or you know, bring up here that that's kind of from the side sure. is the you know the the whole idea of the the new cars that are coming out today and how fast they run. Mm-hmm. We very much want to embrace those folks that are buying these these hot rods off the showroom floor and allow them to come out and race at one of our D, uh, WDRA tracks without, you know, having to screw around with those cars. Uh, you know, we call that factory street in WDRA and it's a, a new model production cars, uh, you know, produced from the factory without, you know, further safety related restrictions. Uh, so a lot of times these guys, these, well, these cars all have the side bags, the curtains, all this type yeah. of safety in them. So they're, they're super safe. Uh, but they're just safe in a different way than we know a race car with a roll cage. So we're, we're comfortable with that. We understand that. We understand where the world is going, and we don't want to exclude these people from coming out and racing a, a test and tune grudge night, fun night, whatever we want to call it, at our racetracks. All right, so if I run that class and I have 
say, a um, 2021 Hellcat, all right, how much modification yeah. do I have to do to go to run in that class? There's certain modifications that we allow we allow to do, like you you know change some of the tires and do different things, but you can't necessarily go in and make wholesale changes and and and, and take it away to where the car wouldn't be under warranty anymore. Yeah. When you start making those kinds of changes, then that uh, that kind of reflects back to the sanctioning body in that okay they're they're making a lot of changes that are outside the scope of what was designed for that class. So, you know, and I'm not the rules guy, so I can't give you chapter and verse on those. Sure, yeah. But, but again, you're going to be allowed to do some modifications. You just can't get too carried away with it because, it, you know, it takes away the spirit of what the whole idea of that program was, is that you bought a car and it's a hot rod from the factory and you want to race it and you're keeping it a hot rod from the factory. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, we're going to just change the rear tires and a little bit of the yeah, tuning, and away that, we go. Right, right, and the way we go. That's not the issue. It's when you start, you know, hacking this and changing that and, yeah. you know, all these types of things. That changes the whole spirit of the program, and then that moves that vehicle into a different category of, of requirements for safety. All right, more questions. You got a uh, Tesla class. Something. Uh, well, uh, we... Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's basically what's going on is that we have folks that are are they're getting hot and heavy with the Teslas, with the Emox, with you know, here comes electric hot rods. You know, I mean, and there are exactly. some RAs that will not. I mean, they grudgingly look at them. You know, and so the folks that the well, questions that we've we, had. Go ahead. We know that we we have to embrace those, and we actually have a category for electric vehicles. We continue to work on that because that's a segment that's a little challenging, probably the most challenging thing as far as the cars, because we have to make sure that we understand as uh, racetrack operators and safety uh, how to deal with it if there's an issue with those cars. I'm sure we've all seen, you know, some fires in different situations yeah. that are out there. So we want to, you know, we are working on that. We will have a, a section of the rule book and information. We do embrace that. We will have uh, racing on that level at our at our tournaments uh, because we know that, you know, that is part of the future. Hmm. My personal opinion, uh, not very in favor of it, but you know, personal opinion goes out the window uh, <laughs> when you're talking about when you're talking about society and, and racing, and you know. And I love Don Garlitz. He's a friend of mine, and he, you know, he's. he's 200 mile an hour electric dragster, but, yeah. and, and, you know, and he's done it all, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, sometimes when you've been around the earth as many times as I have, it's hard to, it's hard to change, but I also understand that's, that's something new and maybe it's going to take off like crazy and, and, and maybe it's not, we, we, we all really don't know what that future is going to look like. I do know though, as a sanctioning body, uh, the world drag racing Alliance has to be ready and has to be prepared with programs now for that to embrace and allow those people to come race at our racetracks. Absolutely. Now, here's some other questions. Pro mods coming to WDRA? At this at this time, uh, you know, at this time we don't have any 
thought of professional racing. I mean, that could come down the road, but, but way before that comes, we have to have our foundation in place and be super strong. What happens sometimes, having been the president of IHRA, I can clearly speak, is you, you build these programs and, and you've got a great plan for your you know your feature stuff your pro mods your funny cars your top fuel whatever it is and you have a really bad year and it rains at you know eight of these events and you got eight of them or rains at six of them or whatever and it kind of really makes it hard for the sanctioning body to to, to continue to move forward positively financially draining is what it is so <laughs> our program is built hey, right. not on that yeah. Our program is built on, on uh, you know, surviving within the limits that we have put together for uh, for the next few years. And, and obviously people like uh, Jason Peterson and, and, and several tracks, uh, you know, the tracks up in, in your neck of the woods are, are have uh, developed and doing very well with doing their own independent events uh, to that scale. Don't have to be that big. I mean, Ubley did uh, some top fuel stuff this year. Uh, and I, when I said they don't have to be that big, I mean, they don't have to be as big as what Jason and team do there. And, uh, and really what I want to do is be a part of helping tracks do that, helping them plan those events if they want. Because I know, I understand, you bring those feature pro mods in or jets or funny cars or whatever uh you bring them to your track that's where they get a lot of fans maybe get new people exposed to sportsman racing that want to come out and race on your friday night test and tune grudge night that's all important plus it creates income for the track so having been you know pretty dang successful with those bigger events including now I, I do work with funny car chaos and some other series uh we've been pretty lucky and fortunate to have a good team of people that we believe we can help tracks and say listen in your market the size of your market what you've done so far with the facility you could plug in x here at this price range and this is what we project you can do as long as you know the other variables in our world don't happen like a, uh, uh, a pandemic or, a, a, you know, a rain event or a hurricane or whatever, you're probably going to do decent with the event. Yeah. I mean, so what folks are now, cause I'm, I'm reading everything off the email here at the CKWI radio sure, 76. Sure. If you have a, a question for Scott Gardner and, and you should, um, from the WDRA, it's of course, it's at hotline at CKW76.com. Uh, folks, and I'm going to paraphrase this one, the fastest class that the WDRA is going to have would be how fast? Would be what class, I should say? Right now would be what we call our, our uh, box uh, ET, our, uh, and it's called a lot of, lot of things in, in the world <laughs> of, of sportsman drag racing. Yeah. Sometimes it's called top eliminator. Sometimes it's called super pro. Uh, we, we call that box, box eliminator, uh, meaning delay boxes are legal in the WDRA world. But that doesn't mean our rule book will still have information on top fuel dragsters and funny cars and all that type of stuff. So we'll still have all the specs and all that information. We just don't have uh, an active class that we're producing for those cars to come race at this time. Will we over the course of time? I can't say yes, can't say no. We have to see how this goes. We're, we're 100% right now focused on the Sportsman Foundation and the racetrack operator. All right, so now we have Don is the head honcho. Is he the only owner? 
He is the exclusive owner. Yes, he is. Okay, only because I know we were talking with folks with drivers at, at strips all around there. There was like consortium owners don't ever seem to work out in drag racing. You know, when you have more than one, <laughs> don't don't uh, don't ever seem. I think the the better answer is they never work <laughs> out. Yeah, it, it just it's just unfortunately uh, has never worked in the past. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it repeated over and over. And Don is the exclusive one hundred percent owner. The buck stops with him, but he's also he's very intelligent man. Uh, he, he's very personable. Uh, you know, at race also race. That was a racer, uh, raced in uh, the the 990 category bracket race. His kids ran junior racers. He's got a, a big passion for junior racing because his kids grew up through it. And he knows, just like I did when I was a kid, there wasn't anything to race. All we could do is stand there and watch you know, our parents or family and friends race, and we were like 14 standing at the fence. We couldn't do anything. You know, because there's yeah. no such thing back in those days. So Don is very passionate about that. And, and what's really cool about him is, it is like, you know, for me is Don has that same credential of having been a racer, having kids that raced and juniors, uh, having been a track operator, and also being a businessman that has been successful in business and understands business. You know, Scott, if you, not you, you, but if, you're a racer that goes to say in ugly or goes to mid Michigan, you know, and next year there's going to have this brand new WDRA logo on the top of that. Besides that, is there anything that's going to change for the racers? Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, our, our, everything we're coming out with and, and we're working feverishly because, you know, it's like, Don decided to do this, had to bring, you know, folks together and start building things like what we're announcing next week with a, uh, a sponsor type program that brings uh, value to the local track level all the way up through our tournament of team, you know, bracket finals in, in, in world championship uh, type playoffs. Uh, we're doing a lot of programs like that. We're coming up with several of them that will affect the racer directly in that he will, he or she will see, okay, this is new. This is different. This is a better offering than I've had before. It's like any business or any genre of business. One rest, uh, restaurant chain comes out, do very good. A new restaurant chain comes out, add something new or something different, uh, that a lot of people probably would like. So that's what we're doing as well. We're not kicking out the stuff that we know works, but we're also not saying that's our program. We know that we have to build from that and do new things that create not only make people happy that are current racers, but also entice new people to come into our sport that we dearly love. I mean, we see it, you see it, everybody sees it, the high-profile tracks that have closed, mm -hmm. uh, and, and those are high-profile, you know, and, and I want to be very clear with everybody. I'm, I'm very deep into our business and sport. We actually have more tracks opening than we do closing. Nobody really talks about that. But the problem is some of the new tracks opening aren't to the standard that, that we would like to see with safety and different things. They might be opening and, and more like you talked about, you know, in the woods or whatever you said, this track. Uh, and, and, and we really want to see these tracks be able to step up and meet the guidelines that is uh, set forth that they be a member and, and get the insurance uh, 
uh, you know, premiums uh, at a low level and be an insurable racetrack and all those types of things. So we don't do ourselves any good when we lose these big facilities that are top-notch, beautiful, nice places, and then add a bunch of uh, facilities on the lower tier that don't meet even a, mi a minimum standard. So that's one of the things that, that, that we're definitely want to help and, and be able to help these track operators, you know, come up with the funds in that they can make enough money to put the added safety things at their facility and become a sanctioned track. You know, there's, there's a lot of things, Scott, that you have to do. And obviously it's like you, Don, um, Carl, everybody's like in a blunder and you hit frappy. And you just like spun all around <laughs> on so many different levels of things. So you got the drivers, you got the track. What are you guys going to do for the fans? I mean, one of the most pathetic things that we see when we go from track to track is that we get 200 cars, and I'm, I'm expanding on that, you know, and we get about right, right. seven people in the stands, you know, and and right. there's and we know that there's a huge boy. You guys have. You know, you're at the right place at the right time in Michigan because there is a couple other RAs that uh, the the sportsman says, I think we're feeling locked out. I mean, it's no uh, secret. When you see drag racing on TV, it's the NHRA and it's the smoke and noise class. Here's Top Fuel, here's Funny Car, here's whatever their pro-stocky thing may be of the day, and now go away and you can run you know, four top fuel races all within five minutes and a commercial, which none of that's real, you know? So yeah, yeah exactly. What, I mean, is a WDRA, are they going to have, besides CKWI Radio 76, is there going to be some kind of a, a media outlet? Is there going to be some kind of uh, streaming a TV contract for a brand new oh. RA? I'm not sure about, but... What? We're working on obviously streaming and in the world of uh, the internet and, and watching a lot of different events out there. We're in negotiations and talking to the companies that that uh, one idea that we kicked around is potentially you know uh, featuring uh, different tracks at different times and having uh, wow. the, the group come in and and, 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 and put their event, their sportsman event on the internet, uh, a complimentary type deal. There's a lot to be worked out on those types of stuff, but we are dreaming out of the box on this. We know we got to get more people into the stand. Yeah. One of the ways is, is one of the ways is uh, people to understand that that racing out there isn't just for somebody else. They could come and do it. That's the thing that I was always challenged with when I was a racetrack operator is I'd run into people all the time. I says, well, you ought to bring that out on Friday night. What do you mean bring it out? Well, yeah, our, my tracks, our tracks open on Friday night and, you know, for 30 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever it was that time, you know, when I ran a track back in 14, 2014, come on out and make as many runs as time allows. And you can blow off some steam and, and, and have some fun. And, you know, half the people don't even know what I'm talking about. So that's the first step is get people engaged where they can understand and they know they can do it. Then that excites them enough to say, Hey, I want to go out to the track and watch these other guys because I want to learn how to race like they do. And I know I can't just do that. And without just getting my, you know, my butt kicked by this gal or this guy because they've been doing it forever. So it's the process of welcoming people in. The second half is, is, is really encouraging tracks to do some promotions that are out of the box. Bing, Business bing, cards bing, bing, that say bing. two for, 
There we two go. For one, uh, two, you know, two for one admission to come in for at your spectator gate. You know, not designed for crew people, all that type of stuff. Designed for new people to come out to the racetrack and enjoy whatever tracks open Sunday afternoon. Maybe a Sunday afternoon tracks open Saturday evening. Maybe a Saturday evening. Enjoy a nice sandwich out of the concession stand. Watch, you know, a few rounds of racing, and there's your entertainment for the weekend. You know what? You must have been listening to us in the beginning of the year because, man, we were proposing. All kinds of stuff. And you don't even have to go back heavy in history. I mean, even the Friday night test and tune, date night, all women in go for free. You know, I mean, yeah, just exactly those types of things. I, I did an event, you know, I was blown away. You always have to, you always have to kind of think about who, you, who your fan is. But I was one of the first tracks to do uh, kind of a, 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 what we call the midnight race. And we actually raced from 11 p.m. till 3 in the morning for street legal cars and trucks. They had to have mufflers, uh, DOT tires. They had to drive in because, you know, we, uh, I had to <laughs> wow. get authorization from the county. Had to get author- authorization from the county to do this because, you know, we're running at midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So the first time I did this, uh, I was scared that nobody was going to show up, you know. And, and we did some promotion on, you know, Facebook and stuff. But even... The, that wasn't big like it is today. We did some commercials on the local station uh, that, that that demographic listened to. And, man, lines and lines and lines of cars came in. And we ended up, we did, like, we tried not to do them too often to take, keep them from being special. But we would do it uh, three or four times a year. And we would have anywhere from really two to 300 cars race. And we would literally have 1,000 to 2,000 fans come out at 11 o'clock at night and they would eat like it was noon Saturday for mm-hmm. you and I, right? And, and so I had this grand idea. I'm going to do four of these. And then the last one, the fifth, I'm going to, I'm going to do a quick shootout of the fastest eight domestic cars and the fastest eight import cars. And of course we did this on a uh, instant green start. So it was like being on the streets and the scoreboards only showed the mile per hour and all this. And I'm going to do this deal on a Sunday in the fall. Right, and it's going to be this culmination event. Guess what? Nobody showed up on Sunday. <laughs> half, not even half. A third of the cars and a third of the people came out on a Sunday. I was well, so what close. I, teach myself. <laughs> I, 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 I taught myself a lesson that you can't, you know, you can't make everybody fit into your box. You can't, you know, just because that's what I thought would, would be cool. They didn't. Their whole idea was, man, they're awake. They're energetic at 11 o'clock, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm not, but I'm much older. I was, I am at those <laughs> events because it's, it's like electricity out there with all those people and yeah. people, you know, girls coming in the, the gate, you know, and, and one gal was in her pajamas and she goes, oh, my friend's <laughs> called and says, get out of bed. You got to come out here. And I'm like, that's what <laughs> racing needs to be. Yeah, that clean and fun. And it was what I call just a, you know, they all had their little groups they hung out in and we did a burnout contest and we, you know, we did uh, sound drags for their stereo competition and all that type of stuff, what they liked. And that's the same thing we need to do with sportsman racing. We need to be able to adapt it and, and, and fit what people are looking for in entertainment. Racing can be very entertaining. It's just that we've oversold the top fuel cars mm-hmm. and the pro mods and all that type of stuff to where if people don't think that's what's going on, they don't go out to the racetrack. Well, our whole thing here at CK is that people can't relate to a $2 million team. 
You know, it, it's nice, you know, when you have a top fuel racer that's flown from city to city and they have two huge, you know, Peterbilts and all kinds of stackers and they have their own onboard machine shop and stuff. We have a, a picture, I think it was from uh, National Trail, where a guy had, it looks like maybe a, a 68 or 69 Impala and he's by himself and he's got some milk crates and some trouble lights and he's wrenching, and it looks like it's at 1 o'clock at night, and he's all by himself, but God bless him, he's still working on it. Those are the people that have our hearts, you know, because that's how you grow this thing. Just like you said before, when you see a guy and you say, hey, why don't you take up my track on Friday, that's what grows it. There, how many pro or top fuel teams are there, really? Less than 10? <laughs> you know, how many there, people? There's not a lot of teams just because no. it's a multi-million dollar deal now, and it's just very, very extremely hard to make ends meet in that world as well. But you're, you're exactly correct. And to take your point one step and, and it, you know, I, I also now consult for the, one of the tracks that I used to own, which is the Cordova track in Illinois under new ownership in 2022, they had hot rod drag week come through this last week on Thursday, not this week, the week before, uh, come through on Thursday. Okay. It's a weekday, right? And uh, I says, okay, uh, I'm very familiar with this. Uh, a lot of people are going to be interested. We got to get the word out. So we did a lot of internet type advertising, you know, through Facebook, social media. Uh, and Thursday, the event started at 8 a.m. It was done by two in the afternoon. We had 300 cars come through for the Hot Rod Drag Week, although it was the fourth day of the event. And listen to this. 1,700 spectators on a Thursday. That's what you need. And see, that's what... I don't know if if track promoters, and I understand where they're coming from, but, I mean, it's easy for us to say as CK, you know, look, test and tune is not really a race. You know, let folks come in one time, one time, for five bucks a head, or how much you can fit in your car for 25 bucks, because these fine friends like to buy $4 Cokes, and if you bring your kids, <laughs> you know damn well you're buying the $3 ice cream and the $6 hamburger and stuff that probably you didn't, you know, it's not worth, I mean, not worth, but it, it doesn't yeah. cost $6. You're going to make profit on that end, and then if they have fun, tell 10 friends to come back next week or whatever, that all it takes is one time. You're fighting against a whole lot of stuff that people can do, and we have a whole generation that likes to look at their phone, come out to the drags. You take a look at some of these films from the mid-60s and 70s, and when you couldn't fit anybody else in there because they're all <laughs> having fun, and the deal was, Scott, that these cars were relatable. I knew somebody that drove a, a, had a, a Plymouth. I know somebody that had that that fair lane, I can relate to that. And and nowadays we lost that. And that's why we love sportsman racing so much because you grow it with the sportsman. You don't grow it with the funny cars. You know, I mean, the funny exactly. cars, it's, that's nice. That's They have their place. Everything, yeah. everything has its place, but you we don't can't, grow. we can't just, we can't kick the the sportsman to the curb because Agreed. where everybody has their eyesight on the other side of the coin. The other thing you brought up there is a very good point in that we have to remember what society is today. Look at look, go to dinner one night and look around in the restaurant. Everybody sitting at tables are looking at their phone. 
for the most part, <laughs> right? Right? Go stand in line at at a uh, at a Bucky's or a convenience yeah. store or a coffee house. I don't yeah. care where you go stand in line at. Everybody's looking at their phone. So we need to, as an industry, whether it's WDRA or anybody else, we need to we need to learn how to have interaction with our phones for the fans. And what that means, you know, putting up the information on their phone, yeah. placing bets on their phone, no. whatever it is, there could be a million different things. We need to have that interaction. We're telling, we're telling young people, uh, we're telling people in their teens, twenties, even in their thirties, Hey, come out to our racetrack, sit in our wood stands and listen to an old guy talk over <laughs> the PA system. Now, come on. In the sun. I'm an old guy. Baking, yeah. I'm an old guy. <laughs> I understand this. Right? I announce events. I just very critical to myself right there by saying that. Yeah. But the truth is the truth. You have to be able to adapt, and you have to be able to have uh, interaction areas at your racetrack that when they come out there, they feel at home. And it might not be that we can turn around tomorrow and not have PA systems. I'm not saying anything like that. There's, But I am saying that we have to come up with creative ways that, uh, that the younger people feel welcome and that they're not walking into a different world when they walk into a, a racetrack. Yeah, because see what happens, and that was when our beef with with the uh, Fox version of drag racing is that youngsters, you know, think that you can run five or six races, you know, go from like eliminations to final round in 30 minutes, you know, with commercials. And it's <laughs> not that way because there's that lag time between if you only have, you know, 50 cars or something, it's a long day to sit on a wooden plank, you're right in the sun, and especially if right. you don't really, I mean, if you bring in a date or somebody, or you just want to try it, and you really don't know the rules, nobody tells you the rules anymore, because there's so many. No. Here's, you know, here's your radial class, here's your mountain engine class, here's your... <laughs> they're there's like a, lost, they're already tuned out because they're, yep. it's way over what they want yep. to think about. You but, know, they don't want to think about all that because they're not a junkie like some of us true. that love all that type of stuff. But one of the things I was able to do that that some tracks probably are doing as well is, yeah, thankfully, uh, the tracks that I operated, they were mostly Saturday, Saturday night tracks. So we would start our, you know, time runs for the sportsman guys, do all that kind of stuff. And, and we would have an influx of people. We would start our first round at 6 o'clock Saturday evening. And uh, we would have an influx of people come in between 5 and 6 o'clock. And I'm not talking hundreds of people, but, I, you know, maybe a couple hundred would come in. Uh, and they would come out and they would spend the evening because they did like it and they, they felt it was very cool. And, and I think the idea behind that was that we promoted and marketed that you don't have to come out at noon and, and be there all day for the time runs. Come out, you know, a uh, half hour, 20 minutes before we start first round and see the competition and see what's going on. And that then, uh, you know, is a much different look than I've been out here for eight hours and nobody's even raced yet. <laughs> yeah. Because even in horse racing, they don't have that long of a gap in between. And if you've never seen a drag race before, there is some downtime, and there's not a whole lot of things to do sometimes. You know, they right, right. don't have it fan-friendly. Well, that, that's the thing, and it's got to it's got to be fan friendly. And we 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 instituted things like you know the playground for the kids, and and you know, and I'm not pro 
proactive or saying that this is something that tracks need to do. But one of one of the tracks that I owned, we had a, a bar on the grounds for those 21 and over and not racing. So you could go over and, and actually sit in the air conditioning and watch the monitor and watch wow. the races there. Uh, you know, it, it just things outside the box a little bit of what we would think. And, and that's then what allowed us to have more people than average going to events on a regular basis because there were these other things outside of just going and sitting in the stands for eight hours and, and scratching your head. And that even goes to the concession and merchandise side of it. We had a, we had a, uh, a what we called a, like a malt shop where you go up and you can get a malt uh, made right there and different ice cream and different, different novelties. I call them, uh, uh, you know, that was the sweet shop type thing with cookies and brownies. So it, you know, and then our, with the concessions, we did more, sure. People love the burger, fries, brats, hot dog, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we would do stuff. We would do stuff deeper than that. So it so it felt like, hey, I had a guy tell me one time, and I learned from it. He says, I love to come to the track, and I love to go in. I park my car and I go up and I get a cheeseburger and I get fries and I go sit in the stands and I watch racing for an hour and I go home. But he said, I yeah. love it. Yeah, That's but- what I love to do. Well, it wasn't just the. It wasn't just he went to the racetrack and sat in the stand. You had to listen to what he said. He went to the concession stand, got himself a cheeseburger and fries, and then went and sat in the stands. Yeah. I mean, that's the way to go. It's You'll be pleased. I don't know how much you know about Mid-Michigan, but they got, like, the reason why you go to Mid-Michigan, besides being a, a beautiful track and everything, their ice cream is outstanding. <laughs> See, that's perfect. Yeah. I love tracks like that. When I consult with racetracks, I tell them, you need to have a special. You need yep. to be known for something. Taco nachos over at this track. Uh, you know, whatever they are. Frito pie over at this track. Ice cream at this track. You, you have to have your hook that everybody says, man, I like to go out there a few times a year, watch the cars, and they got the meanest foot-long hot dogs yeah. you've ever ate in your life or, yeah. or corn dogs or ice cream or whatever it is. But we, we oftentimes as promoters forget, you know, we, we, we get affixed into the rules so much that we forget that we're also concessionaires. We're also got to have clean bathrooms. We also have mm. to have playground for the kids. We have to have, you know, the, the mom's got to be happy. Wifey's got to be happy. And sometimes that gets difficult because we wear a lot of hats. And and I understand that because I was there. But that's why with WDRA, we want to be able to help the track operators understand those types of things uh, that, that might not. Some do, obviously. And help them to say, this is how you improve and get more people to come to your track. You know, this wouldn't be all that tough to do. But but you were talking about uh, track announcers. You have one of the best in Ubley. You know, and uh, Mr. Jenowick is, uh, Nick Jenowick yeah, is yeah. wild. You know, between him, Alan Ward from Australia, you know, does some stuff at 42. I mean, these are guys that get the crowd going, and they're outstanding. There's, you know, there's some, there's other folks that do the same and thing. Unfortunately, we've lost the hook on that over yeah. the last few years. Yes, there's not that many good people out there like that. I, you know, there's one question I feel a lot from track operators is, I'm doing a special race of some sort, and I don't have anybody to announce it what do I do? There isn't, there isn't, we haven't done a good job as, of an industry of building those people up and training them properly. 
and and it's more than just calling out numbers over yes. the PA system. It's yeah. so much so much more than that. It is creating that excitement, like you talked about, those gentlemen were doing and do on a regular basis. That is the key. You know, and the funny thing is that too with with Ubly, they also have the Ubly Dog, which is a hot dog that is <laughs> you can't get anywhere else, and you will not eat more than one. But it is something that is made <laughs> on premise. And, uh, you know, she, Linda does, Linda Genowick, who's one of the owners, yeah. does it yes, like I out know, of a crock I, know, I know Linda, yes. Great. Unbelievable. I mean, that's well worth driving the two and a half hours up I'll there just to, for an ugly. I'll have to get up to northern Michigan and, and just for the see, there you go. You just, you got a new fan because I'm hearing about what else they have to offer in addition <laughs> to the racing I'd love to watch and enjoy. And, and, and I wish more tracks would get that and understand that. Yeah. You know, okay. because that does, that does help them. It does. It does create that specialty thing that they have that that people in their area say, you know, I'll go out to that track. Or when we go out there, the wife doesn't really like cars and racing so much, but she thinks the food's cool, the bathrooms are clean, and we're good to go. There you go. And there's another mid-Michigan hallmark. I mean, I didn't know until we started really doing drag racing heavy that flushing toilets may not be an option. You know, in some of these places, and you're not going to get the wife, you're not going to get the girlfriend, which means it's going to be a tougher time for you to go. You know, I mean, <laughs> dear track operators, uh, here, here's our million dollars worth of improvements. Now you just have to come up with the money. Uh, well, that's that's the thing is we have to be smart about it, and we understand yeah. that tracks can't can't just throw money at no, you know. But yeah. there's a difference between Pie in the sky. There's a difference between not cleaning and cleaning the bathrooms. And we're not saying throw a bunch of money at it. Just throw some time and effort into it to make sure your whatever you have for a restroom is clean. I I you know I had old restrooms at the first facility I owned, you know, they were built. It was, the place was built in the '50s, so you understand it's the brick, it's flushing toilets, but it's the block building, and you know, yeah. just not up to the world standard that you would want it to be. So when I rebuilt a new restroom, people think I'm crazy, but I brand, built a brand new air conditioned restroom with Damn. showers and the whole nine yards. Wow. But guess what? It was it was for women. Showers for women. I, well, it was a restroom just for women. The new one, the new building I built, was a women's unit, complete air conditioned mirrors, brilliant plug-ins, the whole nine yards. And then I converted the other, the old women's block building into another men's unit. So there was double, there was double capacity for the guys. But let's be honest, most guys aren't nearly as Fussy. worried about where they <laughs> they do their business at, right? True. So yeah. again. I, I took the took the you know a chapter out of the book and said I you know this was going to help our racetrack a lot and you know, I heard it over and over after that that man my wife loves it you yeah. did the right thing it's air conditioned got the nice mirrors they can plug in their curling irons private <laughs> restroom uh, wow. private shower a changing area private Damn. and you know I wanted to be able to do it for both the men and women but I didn't have the funds to do it for both so I had to pick one to start with I said. The women's got to go first. I'd be concerned if there was a sportsman racer that was coming out with a curling iron 
you know, a guy, I should say. I don't think you had to worry about that. Now, I've seen women yeah. come out with them. There's no doubt about it. And, and he, as you well know, there's so many more gals in our sport these days. Yep. And uh, and that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I watch junior racing all the time, and, and those girls are just they're spectacular. And a lot of them, you know, grow up to be adults and continue racing, and that's what we want them to do. We don't want them to forget that and say, that was a great time in my life. Yeah, you might go on to college, and you might, you know, get get married or whatever, but we want you to come back, and we want you to be a racer the rest of your life. All righty. So now this is what we have to do is break in just a real quickly. It's uh, We know that uh, with Scott Gardner from WDRA that we're running way over time, and, and we'll make it up on the Detroit Sports Authorities that will be coming up here at 7 o'clock today. If you love sports as much as they do, you'll love the Detroit Sports Authorities live every every Friday at 7 o'clock. Um, so we just want to tell the affiliates on the road that we're just running just a tad over, but it's well worth it. You know, Scott, let's just like sum this for everybody that's coming up. If I'm a racer, WDRA gives me dot, dot, dot. That's where you come in. Gives me dot dot dot. I was waiting for the gives me an opportunity to to join a new league that really has its eyes and its goals on sportsman racing and helping the racetracks succeed. So that you know, and that's through new programs, fresh ideas, uh, realistic way of looking at it. Also looking to the future with electric vehicles and, and off the showroom hot rods and, and all that type of stuff. And at safe facilities, good partners, helping them succeed is going to make the racer's life better. And uh, doing it through a variety of programs. Uh, we're racers, we're track operators, we're business people, and this is what we, we do. You know, when you say fresh programs, what do you mean? Well, I, like fresh program, for example, would be the one we're announcing next week, and I can't talk too much about it because we're announcing it next week. But that's the uh, the uh, where where you know it, if you know uh, about contingency sponsors, it, basically a contingency sponsor is you got to run that part on your car, and you got to run that decal on your car, and you get you you, you might go to a national race and get paid something. How right? about that if fuel you in your car and right. not Sunoco? Right. Right, exactly. Well, the program that we've kind of put together <laughs> in, in partnership is is racers will get certificates. They will get huge discounts on buying stuff for stuff they use every day, but they don't have to run the part in their car. Wow. They don't have to have wow. they don't have to have Sunoco fuel in the tank that type of thing because we figured out and the manufacturers figured out is it's great to reward racers that run your stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But what yeah. about at, at wanting everybody else out there in the world to run your stuff? This is a way to entice them to say, Hey, I'm going to try this company's, uh, you know, gauges because they're giving me X certificate dollars that I can use to buy their stuff. And I didn't, you know, I don't run their stuff currently. So this is something new, and uh, we're, you know, this this will float down to local tracks all the way up through our, uh, you know, our dance. I guess you would say our tournament and uh, the big dance to go to the world championship. So those are the types of programs I'm talking about. We've got a lot of ideas. We got a lot of work to do in front of us. But that is what the future looks like with WDRA. Yeah, because what's happening is that folks go, yeah, we hear a lot of word salad. It's kind of like when 
a new manager takes over, you know, a, a baseball team. Yes, we're going to go to the World Series tomorrow. How are you going to do it? Somehow, you know, when is it going to be? Well, we got some thoughts in right. place. All right, and so well, what, and, and that's why that's why it's very important. And we're we're putting out press releases saying this is our two hundred fifty thousand dollar program. This is what we're doing. We're communicating with the track operators, right. and everything that we that you know that we say we're going to do, we put in writing and put it out there. This is what we're going to do because you know I had the same thing when I bought the first racetrack, which I told at the beginning of our uh, uh, our conversation here. I said it was very ran down facility, and I you know. I uh, the, the the guy that owned the track before me wasn't going to do a banquet for his racers for the racers, and I took over in the winter time. So I did a banquet for him. I had nothing to do with that season's worth of racing, but I put on a banquet for him, and I got up there and said, I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, blah, 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 and they were like, yeah, right. We've heard this story before. Yeah, right. That's never going to happen, but that's it did happen, and I made sure it happened, so I'm very careful when I talk to you and other people that I only talk about things I know are going to happen, okay. and I don't get too far down the rabbit hole because I don't want to say stuff that isn't true. Well, we want you to. <laughs> I'm sure. Tell us and then, and then you're just going to put that bar so much, so much higher and make me work that much hard, harder in, in the entire team and Don and everybody. But if we've got, you know, we're going to continue to keep hitting this and you're going to see press releases coming out on a regular basis of new things that we're announcing. And uh, we're just going to keep working on it because this is what we're doing and this is where we're centered. We don't, as we talked before, we don't have a top fuel national event. We don't have a pro mod series we don't have a pro stock series whatever it is we have sportsman racing and that's what we're we're doing yeah good because in michigan uh sportsmen feel extremely dissed by the nhra you know because it's you want tv here's the pretty girls and you normal looking people sorry ladies you don't make it so if you're not top fuel you're not funny car you're not whatever you know, you don't get TV time whatsoever. And if you do, you know, and, and there's so many times you watch it and say, you know what? I don't care about these interviews after when these top field guys win and, you know, their rounds. Gives a damn. I understand that they're going on. Could you squeeze in a couple of sportsmen during that time? But evidently they don't. <laughs> That's the reason why we well, kind of go, okay. Their, their business plan is just, I don't, you know, I'm not privy to their business plan, but obviously it's, it's pretty much obvious. Different than, yeah. yeah, it's pretty obvious that it's much different than what ours is. And, and I'm sure they're very successful at what they're doing. It's just different than what <laughs> Oops, we're doing. Sorry. And, you know, where we're concentrating. All you right. Know, it's just, um, just what it is. Quickly, some real questions. Uh, we noticed nobody in Ohio yet. Anybody coming along? National uh, there's, they, you know, Several tracks are, uh, you know, they're sitting at what I call on the bubble. They're waiting for the team finals to be over. Uh, you know, and obviously some of them have ran, some of them haven't. Uh, some of the tracks are, are waiting till they talk to their racers at their banquets. Uh, some have committed uh, verbally, haven't sent the paperwork in. Uh, you know, at the end of the, right now, we're very close to 40 tracks. I don't know the exact number, but we're very close to 40. We really believe we'll be at 60 or 70 you know, in probably a month's time. But, you know, you, you, everybody doesn't make a decision on a dime. They kind of want to sit it out for a little bit, and I respect that. But I, I very much believe, uh, you know, some other tracks in that neck of the woods will be coming on board. Yeah, because it seems like there's a huge hole there, and it was like um, when half of Michigan went that fast, you know, in a blink of an eye. And it wasn't a blink of an eye, because, you know... It, it, 
And, and other areas have done that as well. I mean, uh, the Illinois, Iowa, the, that whole section kind of went very quickly. Uh, Texas is, is they're, they're just running their, their tournament, uh, uh, this weekend. So their, their team finals, or they did last weekend, I should, I should say, and, and, uh, there's, there's one this weekend going on. And, and then there was one that was canceled because of, uh, the hurricane coming through South Carolina. So a lot of the, a lot of the operators I've talked to, some of them are like, you know, I, I want to get through, I want to get through my season. I want to get through the tournament that we're currently running in, and, and before I make an announcement or I change. Now, I will say the, the folks in Michigan are, are proactive, and I congratulate them for uh, for stepping up and moving so quickly. So, yay for Michigan, right? Yeah, but I mean, really, because you take a look at it, and we understood the thing about the having to buy certain things and having to buy certain fuels. I know one track won't do the Sunoco thing. They love their VP folks, and they said, screw this, we're not going in that situation. Okay. And well, so- and that's... Yeah, and that's that's really at the end of the day, we're not going to dictate anything like you got to buy this fuel, you got to buy this or anything. Even with our national buying program we're working on for the racetracks, that's all volunteer, volunteer program, volunteer program. They could they could jump on, and it might be a food company they want to buy food at on a national pricing, or they might say, nope, I prefer to buy with my local company, and I know it might cost me a couple bucks more, but that's where I buy from. That's perfectly fine. We're just offering programs that is an opportunity for that'll work for some in some cases and others for other cases. All right, so we got more tracks uh, in the horn, so to speak, coming maybe coming by. We have uh, a rule book that will be done at the first of the year, ish. I would assume that you probably want yeah. to do that for people. Yeah. Kind of they, they we, we'd like to have it we'd like to have it done before that but I, again I'm not a guy that promises things that I, that that don't you know that that can't necessarily come to fruition so uh, our deadline in our minds and with people that are that are working on it uh, is the first of the year and you got promotions coming in your mind to help out some tracks so they could be more fan friendly that's absolutely great. Yeah, I mean, that, that 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 is accurate correct. I think almost, Scott, that you guys got all three bases covered there. I mean, now, I mean, how long really has the WDRA been, uh, WDRA? Five months? Well, Don, Don has been talking about it uh, back and forth with me for a while. Uh, Carl, Carl's always had an interest and in, in been a for, you know, on the forefront, a forerunner uh, on things that he's done. He, he did a private you know, bracket team finals that he organized uh, in different things over the years. So this has been going on for a while uh, as far as talking about doing yeah. it. It just, uh, that, you know, the time came when we felt like it was a time to, 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 to make a change. And we just saw the, the what was going on kind of on a national level. And we thought this would be the time, or they thought, that kind of brought me along with it, that this mm-hmm. would be the time to do it. So uh, it, it just the timing worked out, and, and, and just you know want to take advantage of the opportunity that's there and, 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 and you know, go out there and do the best we can. Uh, you know, and hopefully we don't have a big recession and we don't have another, <laughs> you know, pandemic or yeah. any goofy stuff come up that we all have to deal with, you know. You know, the question on, on our lips and, and the folks that are talking to us is like, we know the IHRA, and we know that the new ownership's going in here, but you think, you know, damn, what ticked off Don that much to say, you know what, screw this, I'm making my own, because that's not easy. 
I don't think it was an easy decision for him, but it, he had been thinking about it ahead of time, and 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 uh, you know before that transaction actually even took place, and and really just feeling like that maybe uh, sportsman racing needed to be protected and, and track operators needed to be protected and, and, and some new energy and thought needed to be brought into it that might or not might not be brought in from, from the other group. I don't know, but I do know from the WDRA side, it definitely will be. So that, that's really what, uh, you know, he, he's a man that's has done well in his life. And like I said before, he's a road scholar. He's very smart. Road scholar. And, yeah, wow. he, he's the guy, man. Yeah, he's the guy. He's he's very intelligent. Yet he he understands racing, his bracket race, and juniors, and the whole nine yards. And so you know, he's the guy. He's the one you want to lead. He you you want him to be your captain. There's no doubt about it. I'm telling you, we would have loved to been on that phone call when he called over to Florida. <laughs> uh, guess what, guys? We're leaving. <laughs> By the way, I'm taking 29 of your tracks with me. Wow. Okay, or or thirty, yeah. I should say. Now, all right. Anything in the next three minutes that we did not cover, Scott? No, I just want to. You know, I, I I probably, but I guess the the answer to that is just to thank everybody for uh, their time of listening and open minded. I know change is hard. Change is hard for me. I am the worst person for change, and here I'm at. Here I am asking people to, to give us a chance and 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 change with us. But I, because we all become creatures of habit, and some of us more than others, and you know we do, do the exact same thing just about on a daily basis. You make our coffee the same we do every morning or drink our Diet Coke or whatever we're doing. And, and uh, so it's hard for people, and we fully understand that. Uh, we just want to make sure that we're, we're telling people what we're doing, we're putting in writing, we're putting it out there, and, and we're, we're, we're following it up with, with real people that answer the phone and are there for them. And we don't have Don, you know, Don is committed to this thing, and he isn't looking at this as, you know, this is my next money-making opportunity in life. Don, <laughs> Don quite honestly, doesn't, you know, this is, this is, he's taking a headache on is what he's doing. Yeah, he is. And he's taking it on because he loves the sport and he loves sportsman racing and he wants it better for track operators because he was there and he didn't see what he wanted to see. That's amazing because you're right. Nobody gets rich in drag racing. No, if you break even, no. you're you're no. way ahead of the game, yeah. and that's why because it doesn't matter if you're behind the wheel or you're at the <laughs> on the racetrack. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's it's ask Coca Cola. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, yeah, ask you know, Coca Cola. Good God, how did you screw that up, NHRA? Good Lord, in our opinion. <laughs> Anyways, that's one of the the biggest things that, that people were concerned that, you know, everything they saw from the WDRA is like basically word salad. But now what you did today, Scott, was that you clarified it. Look, folks, would love to tell you, you know, but if we jump the gun and we say, yes, everybody's going to get uh, brand new jackets and you don't deliver, then it puts the eggs on your face. So the reason why you talk in generalities, and I hope not to be talking for you, but to talk to our audience and the folks that are out there in the 74 countries that listen to CKWI Radio 76 is that this company is, you know, basically a couple months old, I would say, you know, so, I mean, right. there's a lot more. I mean, ask the, the you know, uh, Harold and Perry at Milan, 
how much you think, oh, this will be easy. We'll just open up a track, and uh, <laughs> what could go wrong? You know, there's a lot I give of... those guys a lot of credit. You know, they, they're kind of like Don. They jumped in the deep end very quickly. Yeah, and then it's no like doubt. you notice you haven't touched bottom yet, and you've still been in the water for a couple of minutes. You know, so that's the reason uh, we want... Scott, do us a favor, and anything that comes on the line with the WDRA, won't you give us an email or a holler? We'd love to have you back Absolutely. on again. Because there is, uh, Michigan, I would say, is a very strong sportsman state. Extremely strong. No doubt about it. Sportsman racing, sportsman hunters, sportsman yes. motors. Yeah. You know, uh, I can't forget the, the the guys with the sleds out there and doing their thing and gals. And, yep, for sure. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah, let us know because our listeners, and, and we do too, we want to know, and we'll be following you guys closely. You know, and we'll if we don't hear anything for a couple of days, we're going to wonder. So let's, <laughs> let's. You can always give me a call, and uh, we could. Yeah, I'll definitely, uh, definitely get you guys on the uh, on the uh, uh, the chain of press releases and yeah. information as it comes out, so you can keep all your listeners up to speed. And you know, and, and maybe we can have Don come on the program wow. here the next time or something, and and uh, you know. Do those types of things. Yeah, it's because we know that we couldn't get Carl because he doesn't like talking on the radio, even though he will talk for it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll talk on the phone quite a bit. Yeah, he not, will. I don't want to be on the radio. Oh, yeah. talk about, Carl's a great guy. Talk about a straight shooter, man. <laughs> yep, for sure. I mean, no the story said he was telling us, and we're going, okay, I know that's not for publication, but that's cool, though, dude. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah, put us in the, in the chain, won't you? I mean, because... As soon as you know, let us know, and then we'll let all of our listeners know what's going on. Because, again, like we were saying, there's a huge... Well, since four of the big tracks in Michigan are now WDRA tracks, they want to know, because they're concerned, and they're, they're like, you know, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect my car? How is this going to affect my racing? And that's the three questions. And once you kind of soothe that and say, look, folks, we got it. It's not going to be radical. I love the fact that you're going to grandfather them in for a while. You know, I love the fact that you're going to be looking at the rules and go, what's common sense rules as opposed to whatever, you know, and these are the right. things we want to know more about the WDRA. So let us know. Gee, Scott, how about that for uh, over 90 minutes here? Okay. <laughs> I'm a little dry, but thank you very much. Uh, you I know. enjoyed our time and I appreciate you <laughs> and everybody that chimed in with questions and uh it's all good. Looking forward to the next time. All right. Sure. So just quickly, where can they get a hold? Where can they, besides CKWI Radio 76, where can they, is there a Facebook page, a website? Uh, yes, uh, WDRA is on, on Facebook and, and also a website. Uh, just Google it. You'll find it Facebook the same way. We are building a brand new website, so yeah, that's in process. It so needs it. Forgive us if, you, if it doesn't look up to speed, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like you said. Very quickly, things had to be put together. It, it's nice, but it's not what, you know, what we're looking for. And, uh, you know, my email is sgardner, uh, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, Five four fifty four seventy two at gmail.com. Welcome to email me as well. What more do you need? Scott Garner, thank you so very much of the World Drag Racing Alliance. Screw that association business. This is an alliance, kids. Thanks, Scott. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Bye now, Bye -bye. Scott. Intro.